And we've been talking about what is biblical blessing, right? What is the Bible about blessing? A very popular word, a very popular theme in the Christian culture these days. Hashtag blessing, you know, I'm blessed, you're blessed, we're all blessed, right? And yet we, we've seen over the last several weeks that you have to be really careful about that. Because we tend to, in the church, equate blessing with financial or material prosperity. The challenge with that is, I know some of you had some challenging weeks this week. Amen? Right? Does that mean you weren't blessed? You see what I'm saying? We, we have to be very careful with our words and make sure that we're speaking actually biblically accurate because... Inadvertently, we can be off. We can we can be off, and we have to be very careful because you know you come in here and oh man, God bless me, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, and the person next to you is like, wow, I guess I'm on the JV. I guess God doesn't love me as much as you because my week got turned upside down, right? I no longer blessed. Right, and and we've been we've been starting this series the last few weeks, and if you haven't been with us, I encourage you to go online and listen to them because we, we really need to understand what does it mean to be blessed, right? And and then we've seen in James one twenty five the connection between blessed and obedience, being blessed and doing, right? James one twenty five in the ESV and the literal, I kind of we've been doing this. It says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed or happy in his doing. Now, literally, it's literally happy. You've been with us since Makarios, right? Happy. Pretty directly. Doesn't, you know, there's not real confusion. The Bible's pretty straight. If you do, if you're a doer, if you obey God's word as a doer, meaning it's your life, it's who you are, it's not just isolated acts, and we've talked about that. A doer is really someone who, in their heart, purposes, say, Lord, here I am. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I am a doer. We said, you know, that's different than being a do-it, right? We can do a lot of stuff around the church. We can give. We can serve. We can attend on Sunday. But your heart can be really far from God. You're just doing it because it's cool, because you don't have anything else to do, because you're supposed to, because it's tradition, whatever. We're talking about a doer who says, Lord, here's my heart. Best as I can, the power of the Holy Spirit. I just want to follow you. I want to be a doer. James 1.25 says, if you're a doer, you're going to be blessed. Jesus himself says this, Luke 11.27. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed or happy is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed, happy, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Psalm 119. Blessed or happy are those whose ways and blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed or happy are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Proverbs 8.32. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed or happy are those who keep my ways. Right? We, 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 these are review. It's a lot of review because it's just layers and layers. We really have to fundamentally understand that doing, being a doer, is linked inseparably with the Bible calls being blessed or happy. Happy. And we've defined happy. In the Greek, it's makarios. I'm going to say makarios. Right? And here's, here's makarios. Makarios is a state or it's a condition, right? And here's the definition. It means happy. It literally means happy. It's fine, full satisfaction, self-contained happiness. One who is in the world yet independent of the world because their satisfaction comes from God and not favorable circumstances. 
is thriving, is spiritual prosperity. It can be called joy. This is what they're talking about. This is to be blessed. It comes from who you are in Christ already. And then what you do with that as a follower of Jesus in your everyday life. It's makaris, it's being blessed. Now there's another word, and we're going to get to it in this series, about the blessing that comes from God to us. In the Old Testament, that word is brach. Right? That's God blessing us. Most of us tend to, when you think of, oh, God blessed me, we think of God giving us something, that's Barak. Okay, that's not what we're talking about the last few weeks. We're talking about Makarios. In the Old Testament, it's Esher. What does that mean? It means that no matter what happens to you and me throughout the week, throughout the day, we can, in obedience to God's word, experience happiness, blessings, joy. Right? It's a state. It's kind of like we, we, should, we told you the Greeks called Cyprus, right? The happy eye, right? How many of you, when you see that, you go, oh. Anyone? You're just like, yeah. I want to be there, right? It, it, it creates an emotion in you. Like, think Hawaii. Think of that. This is Cyprus. It's called the happy isle, or Makarios in the Greek. Why? Because they believed that on that island was everything you needed to be happy. Everything you needed was self-contained on that island. It was Makarios. So that sense that you get when you see that picture, you're like, oh, man. Woo, I would love to be there. Some of you are like, yeah. Right? That's Makarios. That's what we're talking about here. That, 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 put that up there so you get a sense. It gets out of your head and into your feelings, into your heart. Like, yeah, okay. Okay, so James 1.25 and all the Psalms that we just read says, As a doer of the word, as a follower of Jesus, I can experience Makarios. It's independent of your circumstances. It's actually independent of how you feel. See, in our, in our culture, even in the church, we're so feelings-driven. Why well, don't feel blessed? Well, Makarios is really a positional truth. You're blessed. If you're a believer, you're blessed because of who you are in Christ, whether or not you feel like it. Pretty crazy, huh? Right? You're complete, you're loved, you're accepted, you're pleasing, your name is written in the book of life, you're a new creation, God actually likes you. Right? You're blessed. If you're a believer, if you're sitting next to a believer in here, just turn to them and say, you're blessed. You're blessed. Right? You're blessed. Right? And... It's that's right, right? Remember that song we did last week? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Right? The challenge with that is a lot of Christians don't know they're happy. We're walking around. Oh, gotta follow Jesus. Gotta go to church. Gotta read my Bible. Gotta pray. Right? It's like, where's the joy? Where's the makarios? Because I, I, I will bet you, if we lived Makarios, if we appropriated it, if we actually believed it, the world would take note. We probably wouldn't have enough seats in here. Because there are people out there who are pursuing happiness, who are driving themselves into the ground, trying to find it, whether it's in relationships, in money, in careers, in drugs, in alcohol, they are looking for this happiness, and in these four walls, we already have it. Right here. We have everything we need for life and godliness. You, I, we're set. Amen? Amen. We're, we're, we're good to go. I mean, like, in the, in the most important sense, spiritually, we're good to go. 
You know, you turn on the news and depending on what news you watch and what you're reading and all that, it's crazy out there. It's crazy. There are a lot of angry people. There are a lot of confused people. There are a lot of discouraged, depressed people who have given up. Right? They're just like, where's the hope? Where's, where's the happiness? Right? And we're all raised, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of. Happiness. So we're all pursuing this thing called happiness. But how do you define it? Many of us grew up. If blank, then I'll be happy. Fill in the blank. What's the blank for you? If then I will be happy. Even in the church, many of us are still kind of conformed to the world where we're pursuing happiness rather than appropriating it. Rather than just saying, I'm good to go. Macarius. Macarius, right? We saw last, last week that the, in the Old Testament there's another word, a share, which is related to these words, and it means to be led along God's straight path. In the Hebrew culture, happiness was simply following God's straight path, being led, right? And we, we, we showed a picture of people climbing Mount uh, Everest, I believe, right? <coughs> being led. <coughs> being led. Clamped in, right? Holding on to the rope. Being led on this path. Joyfully being led. Joyfully being led. There's safety, there's success in being led, right? And we, we put this rope out last Sunday, and we stretched this rope all the way to the back, and we, we had a, an opportunity, and many of you, actually, there wasn't enough room, you got out of your seats, and what'd you do? You held the rope. You got out of your seats, and you did something, and the rows were filled. And we looked around, and we said, isn't that the church? We're just all holding the rope of the Word of God. And we're all just on a journey together, right? And in talking with some of you before service, you needed the rope this week. Because <laughs> circumstances happened, and you were like white-knuckling that rope. But you're not alone. We do that together, right? We do that together. And so we're going to continue looking at this. Psalm 1611 says this, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Matthew said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Right? So, so this blessedness, this happiness, Makarios, Esher, it comes from following God's straight, narrow path, Right? He said, okay, I want to do that. Okay, let's do this. I'm on the road. But what do we do? How do we do this? What are we supposed to be doing? Right? He'll be blessed in his doing. Right? I love this quote from Ray Pritchard. It says, the blessing comes as a side benefit of the choices we make. The wise man said that happiness is like a cat. How many cat lovers in here? Cat people? <laughs> Seek it and it will run from you. But go about your business steadily, day by day, and soon it comes and curls up at your feet. Anyone? Anyone? Right, I grew up a dog person, right? So, amen, we got an amen over there for the dog, right? But I go to Bill's house. Cat. Four cats, right? And like, you know, I don't know much about cats, but I'm like, hey, little kitty, where are you going? I just want to say hi. Because my dog reads me. Anyone? I come through the door, my dog's like right there barking and wants to come out. And, right? My dog's there. I go to Bill's house, I'm like, where'd you go, Bill? They went through the tunnel in your wall. What do they do? What do they do? 
And then we sit down and we talk in his living room, and little by little, they just come up and then they jump on my lap and then they crawl on here. <laughs> That's kind of weird, okay? Cat people do. But it's, it's like weird, right? You pursue them and they scatter. You go about your business and you enjoy company and they just come to you. And I'm like, okay. Okay, so as a believer, what are we supposed to be doing? What are, what's our business? What business are we to be about in order to let Macarius come to us? Instead of like killing ourselves trying to pursue happiness through all these other avenues that, that the world presents, right? What am I supposed to be doing, right? Well, Psalm 1. We looked at this last week and I told you we were going to come back and look more in depth. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this, Blessed, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So verse 1 says this, Blessed happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right? So, so the first thing that we're supposed to be is actually kind of a negative. It's a not. It's a choice to not do something. Right? He says, blessed or happy is the man or woman who doesn't or who chooses not to walk. Not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We could spend a lot of time with that, but really what that's saying is this person chooses not to surround himself or herself with people who are not helpful to their spiritual walk. In fact, are detrimental to their spiritual walk. That's what they're saying. So, hey, guys, walking, is, and, it's, and it's what they call retrogressive. It's retrogression. It's, it's like, first he's walking, hanging out with that crowd, right? Hanging out with the wicked. People want nothing to do with God. And then, he stops and he starts to chat. So what's up? So now he's not just walking by, hearing stuff. You know, what? He stops. And now he's standing and they're having a conversation. And then finally it says, now he decides to sit. Ah, let's sit. Really tell me more about that. See the progression? See what's happening? In your life and my life, it can be very subtle. It can be subtle, very subtle. We're not careful. First we're walking and we think, ah, it's just a TV show. Ah, it's just, it's just music. Ah, it's just. And ah, I don't, it doesn't bother. If I just listen to the music, I just listen to the beat. Right? Oh, you know, and we're just kind of walking by. And suddenly we stop and we're now, huh. Okay. And next thing you know, we're scared. And it means we're fully engaged and engulfed in it. Now we're just in. When it says scoffers, it means now we're hanging out with people who are mocking us here today. And a lot of those people used to be in the church. Now they're scoffers and they're mockers and they're actually hostile and openly rebellious and antagonistic to us. And you wonder, how did, how did so-and-so end up there? They used to be here on Sunday mornings at the well. And how, now they don't want anything to do with us, and now they're like really angry about at God. How does that happen? Well, he tells us right here. It's, it's progressive. They're walking, 
There's Camden. And now there's Sydney. And it has to do with choices. It's really kind of what it boils down to in your life and my life. It's just kind of choices of what you're choosing to do. If you're reading through the Old Testament, you see the Israelites coming through the wilderness. And what happened in Numbers 25? They camped at a place called Shittiah. And it says the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. They invited the people to, uh, these people invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. Even the Israelites coming through, right? They camped. And when they camped there, they got comfortable. They started intermingling with the pagan civilizations. Next thing you knew, they're all about their gods. And they're being pulled away. Right? 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Um, kind of where it starts. you got to be real careful. you got to be real careful. Now, here's the challenge. you can't. You got to be real careful because you can't let the pendulum swing all the way over here and then all of a sudden you become isolationist. You, you can't be so scared of the world that suddenly you're like, oh, I can't do anything with any of them. Because how is that possible? How many of you work with unbelievers? Might even live with them, have neighbors, right? So it's literally impossible. You'd have to leave the planet, as Paul says, right? So there's this idea of separation, not isolation. Right? How are you gonna how are you how do you maneuver this? How do you walk this road, this straight and narrow path? Wanting to be a follower of Jesus, wanting to experience Makarios, and yet surrounded by the world. Right? We're gonna look at that. I was uh Years and years ago, one of my best friends here uh, that I got to know became a best friend, got a boat, right? And we would go fishing out here in, by the Channel Islands. And one time he says, hey, I got my boat ready. You want to go to the Gap? You guys know where the Gap is? The two, the two islands out there. There's a Gap between the two. There's a good fishing spot. I'm like, sure, let's go to the Gap. So there's a bit of a boat ride out there. So we go to the Gap. Just me and him. We get to the Gap. We find our spot. And we're fishing, and I'm like, hey, brother, is there water supposed to be coming in? He's <laughs> like, where? I'm like, right there. In the back of the boat, there was water coming in. I'm like, he goes, no. <laughs> so he looks, he goes, oh, man, there's a plug missing. There's a plug missing. And water's coming in the boat, and we're at the gap. And he goes, ah, to be fine, I'll turn on the pumps. <laughs> okay. I'm trusting you. And, you know, we're out there, and I'm like, keep looking at this water, and the pumps don't seem to be pumping as, as much as I would like them to be pumping. And finally, he looks. I said, he, he looks. And he goes, I think we should go in. I'm like, I think we should too. Because, <laughs> like, there's water coming in the boat. I don't want to fish, I want to live. <laughs> Yeah, Larry, let's go in. Please, let's go in. So he, he goes in, and, and what was what was cool is that he goes in, and, and the boat's like this going in, so that you know there's no water. Whatever the way is, we're just not coming in because we're moving forward. And I'm like, what's the point? The point is, water is not supposed to be in the boat. So how do we do that as believers? Like you're in your boat, the SS believer, right? What's your name? And you're out here in the ocean of the world. 
And you got to figure out, okay, how do we're, we're navigating, right? We're, we're going to work, we're going to school, we're, we're whatever we're doing, have friends, and we're in our boat. How do we navigate this? Because boat, it's not good. Water's not supposed to be coming in to my boat. How do we do that, right? And it kind of comes down to choices. Kind of comes down to choices, right? So the first choice, verse one was, he chose not to hang out with certain people, not to listen to certain things, not to get engaged or involved with certain things, right? Things that wouldn't be helpful or actually be harmful to his walk, right? In verse two it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. So he makes a positive choice. Right? Verse 1 is kind of a negative, a not. Verse 2, put that back up here. Verse 2, it says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Don't, for, don't, don't miss this. That's a choice. That's a choice he's making. First verse was a choice not to do something. Second verse is a choice. He's choosing to delight in the law of the Lord, and he's choosing to meditate on it day and night. Right? It's a choice. It's a choice. Psalm 112 one says this, Praise the Lord! Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Psalm 119.35, Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. That word delight, it means finds enjoyment, pleasure. Think of a relationship, right? Two people who delight in each other kind of alters their persons, their priorities, their values, Right? Right? How many of you sitting next to someone that you delight in? Gentlemen, raise your hands quickly. <laughs> that was a wonderful setup. <laughs> and if you didn't raise your hand, that's on you, brother. I tried to I tried to get you at lunch. So, right? Delight. Delight in the Lord. So question, kind of a hard issue. Are you delighting in the Lord? Are you finding pleasure, enjoyment? Are you drawn to the Lord? Why or why not, right? What's going on? There might be a lot of reasons for that, but ask yourself that hard issue. Are you delighting in the Lord? And if not, maybe there's some water in the boat. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe, maybe your affections are being, you know, pulled elsewhere. Are you delighting? And then it says, he meditates on it day and night. Alright, now, real important, we're going to spend more time on biblical meditation. This is biblical meditation. Everyone say biblical. Alright? The Bible does say meditate. Now, when the Hebrews thought of meditating, it meant to, to quietly repeat or mumble words under your breath. Right? It's not Eastern meditation. We'll talk about that in a bit. So, so biblical meditation was really bringing something to your mind over and over and over. Okay, here, here's, a, here's a way for you to connect with this. How many of you have ever had um, an issue with somebody? Right? And you could not let it go. Like you're driving, and you're just rehearsing it over and over. <laughs> We got two hands in the back. Thank you, sir. Right? It's like you're driving and you're like, I can't believe they said that. I cannot believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. How could he? How could she? How many? It just goes on. You just can't let it go. 
You know what you're doing? You're biblically meditating on that. You're actually some of you even mumble under your breath, right? That's biblical meditation. It's just bringing it to your mind over and over and over. That, that's what it is, okay? It's not Eastern meditation at all, right? The other word picture for biblical meditation is an animal that chews the cud, right? Chewing the cud. Does anyone know why animals chew the cud, right? They chew on some grass, goes down the stomach, and they go, whoa, bring it right back up. And they chew on it some more. Why? Because they want to get all the nutrients out of it. One pass isn't enough. They chew, 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 nutrients come out, bonk, bring it right back up. Gunk, 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 because there's more nutrients in there to get out. That is what they're chewing the cud for. They want to get everything they can out of that piece of grass. That's biblical meditation, where you look at scripture and you want to get everything you can out of it. Everything you can, right? J.I. Packer says this, meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over, and dwelling on, and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works, and ways, and purposes, and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. Right? That means you and I, as we're going through, how many of you listen to podcasts? Uh, sermons, podcasts, right? Or books online, right? Audible, whatever. You're listening all the time. You get a verse in the morning and you decide, I'm going to chew on this verse all day. I'm going to memorize this verse. Right? That's what it is. Jeremiah says this in verse 15, uh, chapter 15. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Right? I love that figure. I ate them. It became my delight. Right? Sometimes people say, man, you get a lot of verses here. You put a lot of verses on the notes. You put a lot of verses up on, on the screens. That's an intentional. It's intentional because that's kind of what the diet that we give you here. It's intentional. If we keep feeding you this level of diet, it just becomes normative. Because that's all we got here is the Word of God. That's all we have. That's all we have. Right? Warren Wiersbe says, we saturate ourselves with the Word by meditating on it. When we meditate on the Word, we allow the Spirit of God within us to digest the Word of God for us. So not only do we delight in the Word, it becomes a source of spiritual nourishment for us. So imagine this. Imagine this. How many of you eat three meals a day? Ten to more? Just kidding. Imagine, imagine, right? Because it, it says the Bible is like nourishment. So, okay, morning time, get in there, get in the Word, spiritual nourishment. No more spiritual nourishment until the next day. What would happen if you did that physically? One meal a day, five minutes every morning. Right? One meal a day, five minutes, and we're off and running, but we just do it. That's our cycle. Think about that. You wouldn't do that physically. It wouldn't be healthy. You would be, you, you know, you would cause you physically to be weak, right? You couldn't grow. You're strong. It would, it would really have some major physical impact on you. Well, think about now spiritual nourishment. If we're just one meal a day, 
five minutes in the morning and then we think we're good for 24 hours? What is that doing to you spiritually? Are you spiritually really malnourished? A lot of us might just be spiritually malnourished because we're thinking one meal is good. Maybe even a snack, not even a meal, just a snack, right? Psalm 119 says this, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I love that last part. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. The only way you're going to see and behold wondrous things out of his law is if you spend time there. How many of you have ever had a verse that you're very familiar with and suddenly the verse and it's brand new to you? You're like, I never saw it that way. Anyone? You're like, oh my gosh. You're like, where does that come from? Meditating on it, thinking about it, asking God to show you his truth. You can't just like one and done it. And unfortunately, kind of in the church, we're just like, hey, boom, 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 boom. We're just like, you know, nah, you gotta slow down. It's not called time out. You gotta slow the boat. So, Eastern meditation, right? Very familiar uh, philosophy of Eastern meditation is what? Empty the mind. You want to empty the mind. Biblical meditation, exact opposite. You fill the mind with God's Word. Amen? See the difference? Biblical meditation, you intentionally, deliberately fill your mind with God's word throughout the day. That's biblical meditation, right? Albert Muller says this, the biblical concept of meditation on the word of God does involve an empty, of course. We must empty our minds of ungodly and unbiblical thoughts, of desires for sin and resistance to the reign of God in our lives. But that emptying never involves an empty mind. Instead, it involves a mind in which unbiblical thoughts are replaced by the truth of Scripture. Not a blank slate of meditation that revolves around the self. See, another difference between Eastern meditation, Eastern meditation tends to be all about me. Biblical meditation is all about him. It's all about him. Right? So, I don't empty my mind, I fill my mind. Why do I fill my mind? Because my mind points me to him. That's biblical meditation, right? But there is an emptying. It's putting off and putting on. And years ago, years ago, uh, I shared with the congregation when we were still at the Western Church this illustration that, you know, I think just helps to understand it. So, Gary, we're going to switch over to the cameras because I thought of this and I wanted to show because I think it's helpful for some of you to really understand why we read the Bible and What's the purpose and the point? So we're going to put it up on the screens because I know that it'd be easier for you in the back to see, right? So if this container here represents your heart, right? Represents you, your heart, your mind, right? Verse 1 says that blessed is a man who walks not in the council, right? Chooses not to associate with certain people, certain things, right? But we live in the world and sometimes we don't make the best choices. So sometimes things can happen and the world comes in. Right? It comes in. And some of you this week maybe, you had one of those weeks where the world just kept coming in. 
could have these lenses on each other. Can you imagine if we could see what was really going on in each other's hearts? Can you imagine that? Right? So we come here, and this is kind of maybe the condition of our heart. Right? And then he says, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and on his line meditates day and night. So this is this is something I'm helping to understand. Why do you read? Why do you pray? Why do you even come to church? Right? Because here's how you replace this stuff. It's by what you put in. And the more you put in the Word of God, the more you pray, the more you meditate, the more you're around other believers who will encourage you and love you and pray for you, the more you are filled up, the clearer your heart becomes. It's an inside-out process. That's why we feed you the Word of God here. That's why it says, hey, you know what? you got to get it in. See, a lot of times in, in, in Christianity, if you misunderstand Christianity, it's just a bunch of don'ts. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, you're doing a bunch of don'ts, but your heart is still messed up. But outwardly, that's why Jesus was talking about the Pharisees. Outwardly, they look really good, but inwardly, their heart is messed up. Right? And Jesus says, no, love me. No, meditate on my word. Man should not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds, right? So he's saying, hey, no, get the word of God in you. And the more the word of God is in you, kind of by default, the world gets out of you. That's why we do this. It's all about being filled up and getting the stuff out. That's why we do this. Right? That's why scripture reading, that's why prayer, that's why the biblical disciplines are so important. Right? And here's the crazy thing. You're going to leave here, and you're going to go right back out those doors, and what's waiting for you? <laughs> right there. What's waiting for you? Right there. Right when you walk out that door, someone's going to say something to you. Maybe the person sitting next to you is going to say something to you. Turn around and smile at them right now. Say, I forgive you in advance. <laughs> Right? It's gonna happen. You're gonna turn on the TV. Ernie, someone's gonna cut you off on the road. You know. They always do. They always do. It's amazing. Worst drivers all go to Ernie. The world is gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's continuously, right? The boat in the ocean. The question is, what are you doing continuously to counteract it? See, here's, here's a challenge, and take this the right way, because I'm glad you're here. But if you go through the entire week like this, with no filling, and you think you're going to come on a Sunday and get that. Not that it didn't help. Please keep coming. Because <laughs> it does help. Oh, gosh, I'm coming more than one week. No, keep coming, but the point is this, right? We go through the Word, we don't, we're not in the Word, we're not praying, we're not in fellowship, we come on Sunday, BAM! Let's go meet! <laughs> right? Another week! Da, 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 da. Hey, church! BAM! Let's go eat! <laughs> I mean, yeah, glad you're here, but 
See, what I love is this is why we do Sunday, this is why we have Monday Bible studies, this is why we have Tuesday Bible studies, this is why we encourage you to have coffee with each other, to pray with each other. This is this is all the one anothering, amen? Amen. See, the one anothering is this. This is why we want another. Because all of us have stuff coming at us all the time. Right? And here's the crazy thing. It's not even what I call the externals of the world and stuff. We also have stuff coming at us from inside. Now, this, this is what I mean by this. I was listening to, to someone online, and, and it wasn't necessarily in the Christian context, but then I was like, wait, no, there's a lot of truth in that. They talked about being deliberate or living by default. And what they mean by this is, when you wake up in the morning, do you just kind of choose to live by default? Or do you choose to be deliberate in what you're going to prioritize, in what you're going to do or not do? Right? And, and I was thinking about it, because some of us, here's the thing, we got the world coming at us, but then some of our defaults, honestly, you wake up and your default, your go-to is, well, I'm defeated. Well, I'm defined by my past. Well, I'm discouraged. Well, you know, I'm dejected. So you got the world coming from the outside. You got your default mechanism coming from the inside. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to do it? It's, it's both, right? You're like, okay. How do I get the world and myself out of here? Same answer. It's the same answer. See, not only is the word designed to help me answer the world coming at me, the word is also designed to help me answer the false beliefs I carry about me. See, some of you, your default is you're defined by your past. Some of you, your default is that somehow you're disqualified. You're debilitated, you're feeble, you're weak, you're dejected. Some of you, your default is that you're actually driven. Meaning you're, the self is at the center and, and it's all about you and there's pride and there's ego and I don't need anyone. Your default is you wake up every morning and you're driven. You're driven to, to you know, put self in the center and make something of yourself. You're driven. Others, it's the other way. Your default is that be discouraged to find by your past. The question this morning, right? If Makarios is rooted in choice, right? This morning, the question is, are you going to choose to be deliberate? Or are you going to just kind of live by default? And then every once in a while, you kind of pick it up, read the Bible. Maybe once in a while, you come to church. You got you to really make that choice. You really got to make a choice. And you, it's for some, I really want to encourage you today. Maybe the, the first step is to actually believe you can make the choice. Amen? Amen. You can make the choice. And how do I know that? Well, the Bible says that you are a new creation. The Bible says we are no longer slaves to sin. sin. The Bible says we're to walk in newness of life. 
In Ephesians, it says we're to put off the old and put on the new. It says in Ephesians 4, 17, Now this I say to you, I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. It says that was your former way of life. That was your default. See, before you came to Christ, you had a default. And that was to do what everyone else was doing that was separated from God. That was your default. That was the broad road. Now he's saying, hey, you can choose to be deliberate. You can choose to be deliberate, and in that choice to be deliberate, here's the crazy thing. You're Makarios. Isn't that awesome? Like, it twists everything, because so many of us have been raised and picked up somewhere along the line that following Jesus and, and obeying Scripture was some, like, duty, drudgery, boring, killjoy type of thing. And yet the Bible says, quite plainly, you will be blessed in your doing. You will be happy in your doing. You can be delivered right now. You can choose before you get up out of that seat. The radical thing is, if you choose and just purpose in your heart, wait, I can be deliberate? Yep. What does the Bible say? It is God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2. You have all the resources. Therefore, as a believer, before you get out of that seat, you can make a radical change and choose to be deliberate. So pick an area in your life. Pick an area of your life that you know isn't pleasing to God. Pick an area of your life where you know you strayed off the straight and narrow path and you've been letting things in. Pick an area of your default. The, the false beliefs that you believe, that you rehearse every morning you get up. Another day, loser. <laughs> Seriously, another day chained to my past. It's a default. A lot of people, you, you wake up and you have this default. You can choose. You can choose to deliberately experience Macarius. Right? Psalm 92 says, The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Right? What did it say in verse 3? You shall be like a tree planted by streams of water. That's flourishing. How many of you would love to live your life, not perfectly, but flourishing? This deep joy, this deep satisfaction, this deep contentment that is independent of circumstances. That's what karyos, right? That's this tree. That's this image of this tree. And it's, 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 I love it because that word planted doesn't just mean planted. It means transplanted. So a tree was taken from unfertile area and put in a fertile soil, right? In Colossians it says, you were once in the kingdom of darkness. Now you have been put in the kingdom of light. You've been transplanted, right? We have a... We had it here, Sister in the Lord. Tyler mentioned we're going to the Continuing Care Center uh, after church. We've been doing that almost oh, nine years now, right? Nine, ten years. We've been going there once a month chapel, and we do a big Christmas party for them. We go there, and, and it's, it's church. We minister to them. Uh, but several years ago, for several years, there was a dear Sister in the Lord there named B. And B spent many years at Continuing Care Center. And B got to 102. 102, 103, right? And I loved B. 
and, and she would come to our chapel services, and, and she couldn't see very well after a while, but she would come in, they'd wheel her in, and, and I'd say, hi, B, and she was like, who's that? And she would feel my face. And it's Pastor Rich, and she's like, oh, and she always had this smile and encouraging word for me, right? And then there were times when B loved to drum, and Bill knew Bill was a drummer, so we bring her a cardboard box. In 102, she's banging away on her cardboard box, right? But B said something to me that I shared with our worship team and others here. 102, wisdom from a 102-year-old sister in the Lord at Triple C for years and years. She said, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. And I, I understood, even in my preparing for this, as I was thinking about B, why could she say that and why was she blooming over there? Choices. She was very deliberate in the choices she was making there as a believer. She didn't default into, oh gosh, here I am, oh gosh, this is where I'm going to write out my time on planet Earth. No, B was a blessing there. B filled us up when we went there. Why? Because she was deliberate in her walk with the Lord. She was deliberate. She made choices. She was Makarios. She was a living example of Makarios. And then she says, hey, by the way, Bloom where you're planted. And I think about that for us today, for you. What does it mean for you to bloom where you're planted? What deliberate choice do you have to make today to bloom where you're planted? Right? Because it adds up. It's just one choice after another choice, day in and day out. Right? And then the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Timothy. He's about to leave. Right? The Apostle Paul says this. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What is he saying? What's the vibe, right? What's the vibe? Garrett, put up the first part, uh, verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That's Makarios. This is a man who was deliberate in his life, and now at the end of the time on this planet, he says, I'm good to go. I'm ready to go. That is the heart of Makarios right there. And I think of the, and I think of the Apostle Paul, and I'm like, Lord, I hope. I hope I'm like that when my time on this planet is done. I hope I'm going to be able to have this Makarios heart and joy about me and to be able to say, you know, I have fought a good fight. I have finished stories. I have kept the faith. Why? Because you were deliberate. And I was deliberate. We didn't live by default. We appropriated the power of the Holy Spirit. We walked in newness of life one day at a time. Right? <clears throat> and this is what we did together. When stuff came in for me, I was just constantly, just constant. See, this is our life, guys. This is what it's supposed to be. Never ending. Never ending. The good news is, one day, I believe, in your faithfulness, you show up, 
that we can live makarios, we can live blessedness, we can live in biblical joy and happiness, independent of circumstances, we can be delivered. We can make choices that honor you. We can make choices that glorify you. So Father, now, I ask you to speak to our hearts to bring the application that's necessary to each of us. Lord, in Psalm 1, in verse 1, there are choices about some negatives, some nots. And maybe in our life, there's some things we've allowed. Maybe there's some influences that, quite frankly, are, are not healthy spiritually. There's some things in our life that actually we need to remove for the sake of our walk with Jesus. So I pray that you would bring that to our mind and we would be delivered. And then, Lord, in verse 2, the psalmist is deliberate in what he is doing. He's delighting in you. He's meditating on your word day and night. And so, Lord, maybe we need to ask your forgiveness because we're not delighting in you. We're delighting in a lot of other things. And, Lord, maybe your word and meditating and thinking on it hasn't been a priority lately. We sort of drifted. Lord, maybe we just left water in the boat. And so, Lord, if that's where we are, we ask you. And the Lord, this morning, for those that maybe need to make the most deliberate choice that could be on this planet, the deliberate choice to trust Jesus to save your life. If you never trusted Jesus, if you never put your faith in Him as your Savior, make the deliberate choice to do so. To be transplanted into the kingdom of heaven, into the family of God. Lord, as we sing this song, I pray you would speak to our heart, make it real, bring the application. Things we need to confess, we'll confess, we'll receive your forgiveness right now.